Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Monday, June 12th. In Revelation 1.8, Yeshua says of himself, I am the Alpha and Omega, the Aleph and Tav, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Did you know that if you read Genesis 1.1 in Hebrew, there is an Aleph Tav right smack dab in the middle of that verse. Truly, Yeshua, the Aleph Tav, is there in the beginning and the end. So, if you were reading your Bible in Hebrew, whenever you come across Aleph Tav, this is a direct reference to Yeshua. The acronym for Daily Audio Torah is D-A-T. In Hebrew, that is Dalit Aleph Tav. When you unpack that in the ancient Hebrew picture language, what it means is this, Doorway to the Aleph Tav. The Daily Audio Torah is your doorway to the Aleph Tav, your doorway to Yeshua. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Shalak Leka, and it means, send for yourself. Numbers 13, 16-33 Those were the names of the men whom Moses sent to scout the land. But Moses changed the name of Hosea son of Nun to Joshua. When Moses sent them to scout the land of Canaan, he said to them, Go up there into the Negev and on into the hill country, and see what kind of country it is. Are the people who dwell in it strong or weak, few or many? Is the country in which they dwell good or bad? Are the towns they live in open or fortified? Is the soil rich or poor? Is it wooded or not? And take pains to bring back some of the fruit of the land. Now it happened to be the season of the first ripe grapes. They went up and scouted the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob at Lebo Hamath. They went up into the Negev and came to Hebron, where lived Ahimam, Shishai, and Talmai, the Anakites. Now Hebron was founded seven years before Zoan of Egypt. They reached the Wadi Eshkol, and there they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes. It had to be borne on a carrying frame by two of them, 
and some pomegranates and figs. That place was named the Wadi Eshkol because of the cluster that the Israelites cut down there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from scouting the land. They went straight to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran, and they made their report to them and to the whole community as they showed them the fruit of the land. This is what they told them. We came to the land you sent to us. It does indeed flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who inhabit the country are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the Anakites there. Amalekites dwell in the Negev region, Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites inhabit the hill country, and Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. Caleb hushed the people before Moses and said, Let us by all means go up, and we shall gain possession of it, for we shall surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We cannot attack that people, for it is stronger than we. Thus they spread calumnies among the Israelites about the land they had scouted, saying, The country that we traversed and scouted is one that devours its settlers. All the people that we saw in it are men of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The Anakites are part of the Nephilim, and we looked like grasshoppers to ourselves, and so we must have looked to them. 1 Kings 9, 1-10-29 When Solomon had finished building the house of Hashem and the royal palace and everything that Solomon had set his heart on constructing, Hashem appeared to Solomon a second time as he had appeared to him at Gibbon. Hashem said to him, I have heard the prayer and the supplication which you have offered to me. I consecrate this house which you have built, and I set my name there forever. My eyes and my heart shall ever be there. As for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked before me, wholeheartedly and with uprightness, doing all that I have commanded you and keeping my laws and my rules, Then I will establish your throne of kingship over Israel forever, as I promised your father David, saying, Your line on the throne of Israel shall never end. But if you and your descendants turn away from me and do not keep the commandments and the laws which I have set before you and go and serve other gods and worship them, Then I will sweep Israel off the land which I gave them. I will reject the house which I have consecrated to my name, and Israel shall become a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And as for this house, once so exalted, everyone passing by it shall be appalled and shall hiss. And when they ask, Why did Hashem do thus to the land and to this house? They shall be told, It is because they forsook Hashem their God, who freed them from the land of Egypt, and they embraced other gods and worshipped them, and served them. Therefore, Hashem has brought all this calamity upon them. At the end of the twenty years during which Solomon constructed the two buildings, Hashem's house and the royal palace, 
Since Hiram of Tyre had supplied Solomon with all the cedar and cypress timber and gold that he required, King Solomon in turn gave Hiram twenty towns in the region of Galilee. But when Hiram came from Tyre to inspect the towns that Solomon had given him, he was not pleased with them. My brother, he said, what sort of towns are these you have given me? So they were named the land of Kabul, as is still the case. However, Hiram sent the king 120 kikarim of gold. This was the purpose of the forced labor which Solomon imposed. It was to build the house of Hashem, his own palace, the Millo, and the wall of Jerusalem, and to fortify Hazor, Megiddo, and Gezer. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had come up and captured Gezer. He destroyed it by fire, killed the Canaanites who dwelt in the land, and gave it as dowry to his daughter Solomon's wife. So Solomon fortified Gezer, Lower Beth Horon, Baalith, and Tamar in the wilderness in the land of Yehuda, and all of Solomon's garrison towns, chariot towns, and cavalry towns, everything that Solomon set his heart on building in Jerusalem and in the Lebanon and throughout the territory that he ruled. All the people that were left of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites who were not of the Israeli stock, those of their descendants who remained in the land and whom the Israelites were not able to annihilate, of these Solomon made a slave force, as is still the case. But he did not reduce any Israelites to slavery. They served, rather, as warriors and as his attendants, officials, and officers, and as commanders of his chariot, chariots and cavalry. These were the prefects that were in charge of Solomon's works and were foremen over the people engaged in the work, who numbered 550. As soon as Pharaoh's daughter went up from the city of David to the palace that he had built for her, he built the millow. Solomon used to offer burnt offerings and sacrifices of well-being three times a year on the altar that he had built for Hashem, and he used to offer incense on the one that was before Hashem, and he kept the house in repair. King Solomon also built a fleet of ships at Ezion-Geber, which is near Eloth on the shore of the Sea of Reeds in the land of Edom. Hiram sent servants of his with the fleet, mariners who were experienced on the sea, to serve with Solomon's men. They came to Ophir, there they obtained gold in the amount of 420 kikarim, which they delivered to King Solomon. The Queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame through the name of Hashem, and she came to test him with hard questions. She arrived in Jerusalem with a very large retinue, with camels bearing spices, a great quantity of gold, and precious stones. When she came to Solomon, she asked him all that she had in mind. Solomon had answers for all her questions. There was nothing that the king did not know, nothing to which he could not give her an answer. When the queen of Sheba observed all of Solomon's wisdom and the palace he had built, the fare of his table, 
the seating of his courtiers, the service and attire of his attendants, and his wine service, and the burnt offerings that he offered at the house of Hashem, she was left breathless. She said to the king, The report I heard in my own land about you and your wisdom was true, but I did not believe the reports until I came and saw with my own eyes that not even the half had been told me. Your wisdom and wealth surpassed the reports that I heard. How fortunate are your men, and how fortunate are these your courtiers, who are always in attendance on you and can hear your wisdom. Praise be Hashem your God, who delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. It is because of Hashem's everlasting love for Israel that He made you king to administer justice and righteousness. She presented the king with 120 kikarim of gold and a large quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again did such a vast quantity of spice arrive as that which the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Moreover, Hiram's fleet, which carried gold from Ophir, brought in from Ophir a huge quantity of almug wood and precious stones. The king used the almug wood for decorations in the house of Hashem and in the royal palace and for harps and lyres for the musicians. Such a quantity of almug wood has never arrived or been seen to this day. King Solomon, in turn, gave the Queen of Sheba everything she wanted and asked for in addition to what King Solomon gave her out of his royal bounty. Then she and her attendants left and returned to her own land. The weight of the gold which Solomon received every year was 666 kikarim of gold, besides what came from the tradesmen, from the traffic of the merchants, and from all the kings of Arabia and the governors of the regions. King Solomon made 200 shields of beaten gold, 600 shekels of gold to each shield, and 300 bucklers of beaten gold, three manum of gold to each buckler. The king placed them in the Lebanon forest house. The king also made a large throne of ivory, and he overlaid it with refined gold. Six steps led up to the throne, and the throne had a back with a rounded top and arms on either side of the seat. Two lions stood beside the arms, and twelve lions stood on the six steps, six on either side. No such throne was ever made for any other kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking cups were of gold, and all the utensils of the Lebanon forest house were of pure gold. Silver did not count for anything in Solomon's days. For the king had a Tarshish fleet on the sea, along with Hiram's fleet. Once every three years the Tarshish fleet came in bearing gold and silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. King Solomon excelled all the kings on earth in wealth and in wisdom. All the world came to pay homage in to Solomon and to listen to the wisdom with which Hashem had endowed him, and each one would bring his tribute silver and gold objects, robes, weapons, and spices, horses and mules, in the amount due each year. Solomon assembled chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses, which he stationed in the chariot towns and with the king in Jerusalem. The king made silver 
as plentiful in Jerusalem as stones, and cedars as plentiful as sycamores in the Shephelah. Solomon's horses were procured from Mizraim and Q. The king's dealers would buy them from Q at a fixed price. A chariot imported from Mizraim cost 600 shekels of silver and a horse 150. These in turn were exported by them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Arameans. Acts 8 14 to 40. Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Yeshua. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perishes with you, because you have thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I perceive that though you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity, then answered Simon and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken come upon me. And they when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south to the way that goes down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, and he read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go now, and join yourself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? and he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generations? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip, and said, I pray, of whom does this prophet speak, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture, and preached to him Yeshua. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What does hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. 
And he answered and said, I believe that Yeshua is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Psalm 130, 1-8 Out of the depths have I cried unto you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say, more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Proverbs 17, 2-3 A wise servant shall have rule over a son that causes shame, and shall have part of the inheritance among the brethren. The fining pot is for silver, and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tries the hearts. I want to speak to you today from our reading from Numbers chapter 13, and this is a hugely significant incident that occurred in the history of the children of Israel, and it affects them for generations to come. So we have 12 spies that have been sent to go and spy out the land. And two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, they came back with a good report. They had a good heart and a good spirit. But the 10 spies, they had a negative report. And they basically spread fear, doubt, and unbelief throughout the camp with their words. They said in uh, chapter 13, verse 32, the country that we traversed and scouted is one that devours its settlers. All the people that we saw in it are men of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the Anakites are part of the Nephilim, and we looked like grasshoppers to ourselves. And so we must have looked to them. And so this negative report rapidly spread throughout the camp like wildfire. And they had fear, doubt, and unbelief. Now, what's very significant about this is that because, we'll find out later in the next chapter, because of their fear, doubt, and unbelief, they do not get to go into the promised land. That generation that they would wander for 40 years, and then it would be the next generation that would go in and take the promised land. Now, when did this negative report happen? It came on a special day in Jewish history, the ninth of Av. And that began a curse on that particular day, that many dark and terrible things have happened, particularly to the Jewish people, 
on the 9th of Av. So it all started with this negative report of the 10 spies. And because of that negative report now, that generation is going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, and it'll be only the next generation that goes in. There is a book I'm looking at right now. It's called The List, Persecution of Jews by Christians Throughout History, authored by Ray Montgomery and Bob O'Dell. And it is an extremely comprehensive book listing all the different uh, persecutions, pogroms, and, and atrocities that have been done against the Jewish people throughout history, particularly by the Christians or by our Christian church forefathers. So what are some of the other things that have happened on the 9th of Av? Typically, the 9th of Av happens in late July or sometime in August. It, the date changes each year because it's on a different calendar, but it's usually in the late summer. It was so at, at Kadesh Barnea, the 10 spies came back with the negative report. And then in 586 BC, on the 9th of Av, the first temple that Solomon built was destroyed by the Babylonians. And then on the 9th of Av in 70 AD, Titus, the Roman general Titus, destroyed the second temple. And in 71 AD, on the 9th of Av, the Romans plowed Jerusalem over with salt. And on the 9th of Av in 1290, the Jews were expelled from England. On the 9th of Av in 1492, the Jews were expelled from Spain. Okay, and then on August the 2nd, 1941, which was the 9th of Av, Himmler received approval from the Nazi party for the final solution of the Jewish problem. And on July 23rd, 1942, which was the 9th of Av, the Treblinka extermination camp became operational, where between 800,000 and 900,000 Jews lost their lives. There's many other dates as well. And on the 10th of Av was the Gaza Strip eviction of the Jews out of the Gaza Strip. They originally had scheduled it for the 9th of Av, and then they realized, oops, this is a very dark day in our Jewish history. We better change the date. So they moved it up one day to the 10th of Av. So every year on the 9th of Av, the Jewish people gather in their synagogues and they mourn, they weep, they wail, they fast. They weep and wail over the destruction of the temple, and they weep and they wail, and they mourn over all of the dark things that have happened to the Jewish people uh, on this terrible day. Yet there is a promise in the Word of God that one day God is going to reverse this curse, and he's going to turn things around, and instead of it being a day of mourning, it will become a day of joy and celebration. This promise is found in Zechariah chapter 8, starting in verse 19, where it is written, Thus says the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth, the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth shall be joy and gladness and cheerful feasts for the house of Judah. Therefore, love truth and peace. Verse 20, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Saveot, Peoples shall yet come, inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us continue to go and pray before the Lord, and seek the Lord of hosts. I myself will go also. 
Yes, many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. So the Lord is going to reverse this curse and turn things around. And one way that we can do that is on the ninth of Av, which every year is in late summer, we can take time to repent and to pray over the sins and the iniquities of our church forefathers. You can find out more about this if you go to the website, uh, the number 9-av.com. Every year they host a special prayer time. You can join in online. And they also have an actual trip to Israel uh, where they have live on-site prayers in Jerusalem. So the website to visit is the number 9-av.com. And so we pray, Lord, that this day of sorrow and grief and tragedy would truly become a day of joy and rejoicing for the Jewish people. We ask it in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Vish Mareka Yaya Adonai Anavilaka Vikuneka Isa Adonai Anav Ileka Vayaseh Leka Leka Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>